This is the Create the Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan here and you are listening to episode 109 of the Creator Smarts podcast. If you are a loyal fan of the show, you might have noticed that we did not publish a new episode on Tuesday. And that's very uncommon because since the beginning, since I started this podcast, I've never missed a single episode. So what happened? Well, here's um, a quick announcement. Unfortunately... I have to uh, share with you that we will no longer be uploading those um, kind of Q&A episodes on Tuesday and also on the YouTube channel. The reason for that is that we are learning more about the business and adjusting our focus as we go. That means that Oli will be focusing more on some of the things that we do behind the scenes um, with the client work that we do and also of course our inner circle and uh, the uh, the live mastermind events that we um that we will be running again this year. So sorry about that. I really like those episodes myself, but we have to practice what we preach. We have to double down on the things that are working. Um, The good news is that, of course, we will be continuing with these uh, interviews that we publish on Friday. All right. So what are we going to do today? Um, Today, interview with Hugo from Inner French. And... um, he, uh, he runs a YouTube channel and a podcast for French learners who speak uh, or who are already at an intermediate level. Um, the interesting thing about Hugo's business is that he has a very simple business model. It's really nothing special, but he has a highly profitable business. And we do not really talk about how lucrative the business is in this interview, but I had a quick chat with Hugo after after this interview. He shared some of the numbers. Um, we're actually now also working together. And yeah... I can I can tell you that his business is very, very, very profitable and he only has two courses. So in this interview, we are really going to learn about uh, how Hugo's business model works, um, the importance of having structure and processes if you want to scale. Uh, we're also going to talk about LearnDash. So it's um, basically a course platform, um, but it's, it's a plugin. So it's a WordPress plugin. Um, that will that that enables you to host a course on your WordPress site. Um, Hugo's going to talk about how that works, and we're also going to talk about whether you need a marketing degree to run an online business. Because both Hugo and I do have a degree in marketing, um, we're going to talk about you know whether that was relevant for starting an online business or not. So this and much more in today's interview. So let's get started. Here's my interview with Hugo. Hey Hugo, welcome to the Creator Smarts podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Okay, th- thanks for having me. So I run a YouTube channel and a podcast called Inner French. And basically I'm teaching French mostly to intermediate students to help them um, better understand the language and um, yeah, to expand their language skills yeah so you uh, well you are french you're living in poland at the moment um when did you start the channel so i started the youtube channel in 
wait because actually I uh, I wrote down everything because I'm not very good with dates. All right. So I, I started with the podcast actually, and it was in uh, a- April 2017. Yeah. Okay. And then a year and a half, so beginning of January 2019, I launched the YouTube channel. Okay. And when you started that podcast, like, did you have any initial traction or did you see that it was working or not really? So, yeah, I mean, the, the whole story was that uh, I was teaching French at the French Institute in Warsaw, but I, I kind of started teaching by accident because uh, I studied business in Paris and then I moved to Poland because my best friend's Polish and we wanted to try creating a business in Poland not related with languages at all. Mm. Uh, We were like during our studies, we were DJing on the side, like uh, in some small bars in Paris and stuff. And uh, we wanted to try to do it at a bigger scale. But in Paris, it's really hard if you don't have the right connections or like the money. So we thought, okay, let's move to Warsaw because my friend's from Warsaw. So he told me that it might be easier and it wasn't. So we organized our first party. We lost all the money we had saved, basically. But uh, yeah, for me, it was too late to go back. I mean, I didn't really feel like going back to, to Paris. So I wanted to stay in Poland a bit longer. And uh, yeah, then I just uh, I went to the French Institute because I wanted to help them with their marketing because yeah that that's what I I studied, and they didn't back then they didn't need anyone for their marketing but they were looking for a French teacher to do conversation classes, and they gave me my chance and it went really well and the first yeah I, I loved it right at the during the first class so then I decided to do it a bit more seriously so you actually and, yeah, yeah no, go ahead no 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 so you you, you can you, you started your career as a dj yeah <laughs> no okay if, i mean before that right after my studies i uh, i got hired by uh, an advertising agency so first i was working for maybe something like six months in an advertising agency in Paris. But yeah, I didn't like it that much. I didn't like working with clients. And it was mostly about yeah making the their logo bigger. And uh, yeah, it was not really fulfilling. So when my friend suggested that, yeah, you know, this DJ thing that we do during weekends, it's fun. Maybe let's try to do it more seriously and to organize bigger events and parties. I yeah uh, I I decided to to give it a chance. Yeah. So why did it not work out? What's the hard thing about becoming a, a DJ or organizing? It was not just becoming a DJ, right? You're also organizing the parties. Yeah, yeah. Because we we were not that good as DJs, and uh, we we're we weren't musicians. So it was mostly just playing other people's tracks, you know. Yeah. And if you really if you if you want to get like become big as a dj either you need to have really good tracks like your own productions or you need to be super skilled and we had neither of those uh, skills Mm. but we were pretty good at promoting parties so that's why we decided to yeah be promoters and uh, usually we would be djing like start the party yeah 
uh, like be the first act and then we had bigger DJs coming. And uh, our main problem was that we didn't know the market at all. So of course we knew that, yeah, the, the entrance fee, for instance, should be lower than in Paris because people don't have as much money in Poland uh, as in France. But um, the, the problem was that most parties were completely free, actually, in Warsaw. Mm. So, and we, we try, I mean, we booked some DJs from Berlin and we had to pay for their flights and their hotel and everything. So that, that was, yeah, the first problem. And the second problem was just the network. We didn't know anyone there. So we did like some Facebook uh, advertising and like we had some posters everywhere in the city, but no one came because that didn't really know the DJs that we booked, that didn't know us, that didn't know the concept of the party or anything. So yeah, we had, we needed, I think, 400 people to break even, and we had like 50 or something like that. So yeah. it was pretty sad. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good example of a failure, right? Because often we talk about the successes, but it's also important to share some of the things that didn't work. So yeah, it's a good way to, to start this interview, I guess. So um, DJing didn't work out. Um, you applied for a job at the French Institute and then you became yeah. a teacher. For how long did you work there? For uh, about three years. Three years. And did yeah. you start the channel uh, while you were working there? Yeah, because uh, so I, I was learning Polish at the same time and uh, I came across a really cool podcast called Real Polish. And to me, it was really, yeah, it was something completely new because I was used to learning languages the traditional way. So, you know, at school with some grammar books or exercises and stuff like this. And this podcast was more about the natural way of uh, language learning. So he was a big advocate for St Stephen Krashen and uh, Steve Kaufman and yeah, all, all these guys we, we all know. Yeah. And uh, I was looking for something similar in French for my students and I couldn't really find anything that would be, I would say, convincing. So I thought, yeah, why not do it myself? Because during those conversation classes, what students really liked uh, was my choice of topics yeah. because I was always trying to pick some stuff that I would want to talk about even with my friends, you know, yeah. and not just like, okay, we're going to talk about the environment and global warming and oh, global warming is bad, you know, and like, yeah, that's the whole class. So I was really trying to look for topics that were a bit, I don't know, controversial or that, that would really encourage uh, students to to yeah to talk yeah and, and very often those topics are also related to to the french language and the french culture right at least from what i've seen uh, from what yeah. i've been doing recently <laughs> like why do why do french people not like sports cars right um yeah. maybe you can give a few more examples but yeah in the podcast recently i uh, i did an episode that w worked really well it was about vaccine and why french people are the most uh, anti-vaccine people in yeah, yeah, yeah. not in the world but at least in europe and uh, yeah stuff like this and it's i mean it's really interesting and, it, and that's what i love about my job is that i want to know more about these topics myself so it's really nice to spend some time doing doing the research and trying to say some uh, yeah some interesting 
stuff about this. Yeah. So. And it's also really interesting for a learner because you were really learning French without being aware of it, right? You you just like when I saw that I mean I I I learned French as well. I actually I should say I'm still learning French, but when I saw that title and this was a while ago, I saw one of your videos coming up. I was like, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Why don't French people like like luxury? You know, I didn't even want to learn French at the moment, but I just clicked on the video because I wanted to learn more about it. And then you were speaking in yeah. French uh, very clearly, um, very relaxed, right? So it's very easy for yeah. somebody who doesn't speak French as a native language to consume that content, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you start out... Usually I, yeah. I don't... Sorry. Yeah, no, but I just wanted to say that usually I don't know the answer myself before starting to really do the research. And it's just that, yes, some... I mean... Very often it's because it's because people ask me these questions and then I don't know the answer, so I start doing some research and yeah. So why are the French people anti-vaccination? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the episode was pretty long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but actually, no. But the, the 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 interesting fact is that up until the end of the 90s we were really pro-vaccine and basically it's a matter of trust in the government so oh. there were a few scandals uh, about um, how do you say like the connections between the government and big pharma yeah. and because of that uh, french people don't trust the government and because they don't trust their government they don't trust vaccine yeah that's so. really interesting. And for the people who want to learn more, make sure to check out the YouTube channel yeah. in French, right? Yeah. So back yeah. to when you started that podcast. Um, what was the goal at the time? Did you want to build a business or just want to do some podcasting for fun? Yeah, no, it was pretty random because uh, when I was looking for a Polish teacher, I found one who had a really nice website and I thought, okay, I should have a website too. But it was just for to get uh, students from my private classes. And uh, so I had this website, but then <laughs> there was nothing on it, like just my picture and like a description about my courses. And yeah, it was pretty empty. So I thought, yeah, I should have some content, content or some, uh, yeah, some stuff that people are gonna want to find out. And that's how they're gonna end up on my website. And around the same time, I found that uh, Polish podcast. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this podcast. Also, I mean, mostly for my students at the beginning. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I didn't really know where it would take me. It was just like, I, I thought it was cool. And uh, I, I really liked that Polish podcast. So I thought that it would be nice to have something similar in French. And yeah, I enjoyed doing it. It was a challenge for me. So, but I, I couldn't imagine that thanks to this podcast, I would stop teaching. I mean, stop working at the French Institute and stop giving private classes at some point. Yeah, it's really interesting. So you started, you created this podcast basically for your own students, right? For the people around yeah, you. Yeah, It's a bit similar to what we did when I started this podcast two years ago. I mean, it was called Langpreneur, right? Um, for online language entrepreneurs like yourself. And I just created this podcast for all the people that I knew that were interested in this topic, right? Um, and um, yeah, it's just a challenge to start something to create something out of out of the out of nothing basically out of thin air 
Um, so you did a first with the podcast and you said it took a few years until you uh, shifted to YouTube. Why did you make that shift to YouTube? Okay, so yeah, during the first year with the podcast, I was able to find new students from abroad, so mostly from the US and Australia and mostly English-speaking countries. And uh, then I was able to raise um, uh, the prices for my private classes. So I could have a bit more time to uh, create more podcast episodes. And also I started teaching a bit less at the French Institute. So that was during the first year. But uh, yeah, after a year, I, I had already a pretty decent audience. I mean, I don't remember exactly what size it was. But um, then people started to ask for a course. So I thought, okay, I'm going to see what an online course looks like and I'm going to try to do one that people are going to want to buy. And uh, yeah, so I, I launched this first course a year and a half after starting the podcast, which means that before this, I never asked listeners for anything for money or so everything was free and also i was giving the transcripts for free but people had to register to be able to read them so this way i was collecting email addresses because i read somewhere uh, on some uh, online entrepreneur website that it's really important to collect uh, email addresses so I, i did it more or less from since the beginning. Okay. So that was, uh, yeah, that, that's one thing I did well, for sure. And uh, yeah, a year and a half after starting the podcast, I launched my first course. And yeah, I, I was blown away by the result <laughs> because, <laughs> because in a week I made as much money as the two previous years, basically, teaching. Uh, Combined. At the French Yeah, yeah. Really? Was the podcast that big then? Do you do you remember like how many downloads that you got on, on each episode? I mean, first of all, uh, teachers in Poland don't make that much money. So okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't remember the this. But I think I had something like five uh, thousand people on my email list. Okay. For how much are you selling the course for? Were you selling? The course? Uh, it was for ninety nine euros back yeah. then. Okay, yeah. so yeah, if you don't have a good conversion, I guess that's enough to survive another two years in, <laughs> in Krakow. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, the, the, I mean, I didn't know, <laughs> even though I studied business and marketing, I, I really didn't focus on conversion rate and I had no idea what was the standard or because I, I was not in touch with any other uh, yeah, online entrepreneurs or people who were doing the same thing. And People are not that willing to share their numbers that yeah. much, I think. And I mean, I understand that. But um, yeah. but yeah, it was a big surprise. It depends a little bit on the culture. I always feel that Americans do not really have any problems talking about revenue and, yeah. and conversion rates. I think that Europeans, um, especially the French maybe, you know, isn't that also a French, <laughs> isn't that also a French yeah. thing? Yeah, I mean in Poland too, because I always thought that yeah, this taboo around money was really French, but it's something that you find in many cultures, and it's a bit cliche also 
to think that yeah americans uh, because in, in france we say that oh yeah one of the first questions americans ask you is yeah how much do you make and yeah. no like if someone does that they're super rude yeah <laughs> it's not your typical uh, yeah i spent a few years in china it's a very common question to to get in in asia at least in china for sure yeah um but like during a first meeting um yeah with with a taxi driver for example depends a little bit on the context but like with with like taxi drivers or strangers and ah you come all the way here to, to work yeah how much do you earn then like in that context mm -hmm. yeah um maybe with like friends or friends it's it's a bit less polite to ask that but yeah strangely enough i found that strangers <laughs> tend to to ask those questions uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's yeah, interesting sure. to, to see those um yeah how those different cultures go about asking and uh, how is it me. in the netherlands um i would say it's it's also taboo yeah you do not really you do not really ask how much somebody makes like mm. i do not really know how much my most of my friends make for example um i guess i could ask them but yeah it's a bit it's a bit awkward some people do yeah. are fine sharing it but no most people don't um when did you so when did why did you start a youtube i mean the podcast was already working why not just double down on that yeah okay so i i really didn't want to do youtube because i didn't want to show my face on the internet that that was the the thing but uh, when i did the course i had to do videos because i wanted to have video lessons because i thought yeah, it has to be different from the podcast and it has to be a bit more premium so i recorded these lessons in videos and I realized that, yeah, it's not so terrible and uh, I can do it. And then a lot of my listeners were asking me, yeah, why aren't you on YouTube? So, so yeah, in October 2018, I sold the my first course. And three months later, like beginning of January, I launched the YouTube channel because Mostly because I thought that, yeah, it would give me a bigger audience and that it was a huge... Um, oh, in French, we have a nice uh, saying for this. I don't know how it is in how English. but in uh, Manque à gagner. Yeah. It's, yeah. Something that's missed missing that you can win. Yeah, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity or something like this. So I thought, yeah, I, I should do it. And I started YouTube. And also because, yeah, I, I realized that it's fun to, to make videos. But since I started YouTube, the most common question I have is, uh, I receive is, uh, why aren't you on Instagram? <laughs> but I'm not going to start an Instagram account just because I, I don't really like this social network. I don't use it personally. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> it makes people miserable. They are wasting so much time on it. I don't think you get that much value from it and there are already i checked and there are already many french teachers who are actually doing some really cool things on it and i think it's not my format it's not for me so yeah yeah well I think not, that's do, a, not doing instagram i think that's a very wise decision to just stick to what you like doing and the platform that you know well that you know it works are you still doing the podcast yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm still doing the podcast and it, it got pretty big and uh Right now, we are approaching 9 million of downloads. Really? Uh, I mean, we have also 94 episodes, so... Oh, well, qu quite only 94 episodes and 9 million downloads? Yeah, yeah. I mean, f 
yeah <laughs> i mean i just went to your yeah i just went to your youtube channel on, on, on social mm. blade i did some research but i also saw that you've quite a lot of engagement there as well like you your youtube channel is is big it's not the biggest like what four four hundred fifty thousand or something yeah yeah and you have like seven hundred thousand views per month is that yeah accurate? i, I have like no that? idea if it's uh i mean because i'm i'm checking the um, how do you say the analytics uh, yeah the analytics in the youtube studio but i'm checking very rarely and uh, i'm focused on uh, subscri the subscriber count and it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty dumb because this metric actually doesn't mean much and uh, yeah. but it's just <laughs> i guess it's an ego thing or, or whatever it's what's public it, so you can compare yourself to to other channels and, yeah uh, it feels it feels good to to have yeah. a, a million subscribers one day right yeah yeah uh, here on social media i see that you have seven hundred and fifty thousand views over the last 30 days and that's actually 30 percent less than the month before but that's a very high number of views for for a channel of your size so okay. yeah you you must be doing something uh something well <laughs> yeah i mean usually I mean, very often people are telling me that, yeah, they watch the first video and then they watch all the videos on the channel. And it's the same with the podcast. And it's becoming kind of a problem because now it's taking, I mean, I have so much content that, uh, yeah, so some people tell me, oh, I want to listen to all the podcast episodes before buying the course. And it's taking them a long time because each episode is at least 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, so it's going to, yeah, it's close to 50 hours of content, <laughs> just the podcast. And then there's the YouTube channel. But I really, I mean, I like YouTube, but I prefer the podcast personally as a format because I feel that then I can really focus on, um, on bringing value because there are no algorithm. So I think, okay, this topic's interesting. Yeah. I think I can say some some things that people are gonna, yeah, find interesting and like. So I'm just gonna do it, and uh, I'm not relying on whether the algorithm is gonna like it or not. And yeah. the, and I have pretty much, yeah, the same. Um, I mean, uh, every new episode gets quite a lot of uh, listenings. So yeah. Yeah. Do you do you talk about the same topics on on the podcast and on your youtube channel or do you create separate content for each channel no i create uh, separate content i know that it's uh, it's that really often people recommend to repurpose your content but personally i don't really believe in this strategy because i think i mean i guess it can be done well but uh, i i couldn't do it and very often i see that oh yeah it was a podcast and they stick the picture on like a few pictures on it and they made the youtube video but i, I don't want to watch this youtube you know yeah so i'm trying to make the best content possible for the podcast for and for the youtube channel which yeah. one do you think is more powerful when it comes to making sales do you know that is there a way to track that uh it's really hard to track but basically for me youtube is a way to um broaden yeah, my audience yeah. and then podcast is a way to build loyalty yeah 
And I think that the like people who just watch my YouTube channel, I think, I mean, it's just my personal guess. I, I don't know if you can track this, but they are less likely to buy the course than people who listen to the podcast. Because if they listen to the podcast, they spend hours with my voice in their ears. And uh, then, yeah, you, you build trust and they know your teaching style and they are not distracted by other videos on the site. So they're really paying attention to what you say. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was doing really well just with the podcast at the beginning. So if there are some teachers out there who think that, yeah, they don't want to do videos and they are afraid to show their face and they think that, yeah, it's never going to work if they don't have a YouTube channel. It's not true. You can really, I mean, it's becoming more competitive on the podcast scene, but still it's like, it's pretty new. And it also means that there are more and more listeners. So yeah, you can do well just with the podcast. Yeah, podcast. The podcast space is is way less crowded than YouTube, right? I mean, there's lots of potential on both platforms, and I think that people should choose the platform that, well, that they believe in, that they that they that fits their personality, their skill set. Um, but podcasting is, I mean, here with Creators Math, we also focus on the podcast, right? It's just. Yeah, you attract a smaller audience. Well, in your case, it was actually a big audience, but it's um, it's uh, it's very it's very high quality. Um, yeah. When you when you make sales, like, can you see if people come from the podcast or YouTube? Can you do you track that? No. No, I I don't track this. Maybe I could add on the checkout page or like in the first email, I could ask them. Yeah, did you? How did you find out about us? Was it through the podcast or the YouTube channel? But even this, it doesn't mean much because maybe first they watched the YouTube. I mean, the first contact they got was a YouTube video, but then they bought the course because they listened to 50 podcast episodes or yeah. whatever. And um, you, I mean, you have so much free content um, for intermediate learners of French. Yeah, why why should they <laughs> why should they <laughs> buy your course? What what do you do I mean, differently in your course? Yeah, so it's a lot more in-depth. And also uh, in my courses, I cover grammar, which I don't do in uh, my free content. Mm -hmm. Because I think there there is already a lot of, uh, <laughs> I would say even too much content uh, grammar-oriented uh, on the internet. So I wanted to offer something different. But some people say that they like my way of explaining grammar and I do it always in context. So in my courses, I have like 30 lessons. Each lesson is a piece of content and then the grammar is built around this uh, content and not the other way around. So because very often it, it sounds a bit... Um, yeah, when you open a French book... I mean, a French grammar book, you see that, yeah, this story was written just to illustrate uh, this specific point, but the story is completely boring, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I reversed engineered it. I mean, I don't know if you could say this, but uh, yeah, it's really, it's focused on the content, but then I use it to explain grammar in my own way. Yeah. What, um, what, what do people, why do you think you're, your your span your sorry I'm gonna make a, a little cut here. <laughs> what do you think makes your content different from all the other French content out there? And what would you tell people who want to who want to start, but who haven't started yet? Because 
there is so much content already out there? Uh, I would say that you don't need to become the biggest YouTube, like French YouTube channel or French podcast. That that's the beauty of the internet. That it you can make a living from it with a real, relatively small audience, and that you probably have uh, some skills or personality traits that people are attracted to. And I know that, uh, for instance, I'm pretty leftist uh, in my ideas and political views, like mo most teachers. But I, I, uh, I'm talking about, I mean, I'm tackling some political topics in my podcast, and I know that it's rubbing some people off. And But yeah, I mean, it's even worse because... The, I mean, they say, yeah, there is not really any other French podcast that I want to listen to, so I have to listen to you, even though I don't you agree have a monopoly. With yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, not sorry, you know. <laughs> But yeah, if you, I, I want to say that uh, you can always find some people who are gonna, who won't like you or will like you, and um, there there's room for everybody so yeah i really encourage people to start their own youtube channel or podcast and share them their message and don't try to hide your personality or to pretend to be someone that you're not uh, because yeah people can always feel if it's not genuine and i i think that's what people liked about my stuff that i'm Even in my podcast, I'm sharing some personal stuff. I was sharing my journey the, all along the way. So, yeah, I'm starting the, this podcast. And then I was saying, oh, it's starting to grow. And I was sharing some messages that I was uh, getting from listeners. And, and yeah, people had the feeling that they were following me along this journey. And I think that's also what made the, the podcast popular. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about course creation then. You have, um, well, I saw on your website that you're currently offering two courses. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. So course for beginners and for uh, intermediate students. What's next? Why uh, do you, yeah? Yeah, actually, it's more, it's for intermediate and upper intermediate. Oh, intermediate. I don't have a course for beginner and yeah, that's uh, that might be a goal for next year. Yeah, so any like when it comes to growing a business there are of course various ways to do that right i mean you can mm -hmm. get more traffic build a bigger audience um, increase conversion or just simply sell more to existing customers right um so how do mm -hmm. you see that like do you want to create an advanced course are you thinking about a membership like are those are these things that you talk that you think about um yeah so for me the there was definitely a steep learning curve in um, when it came to the, the platform for the course because at first I was using Teachable which was pretty easy but also limited so then I switched to WordPress and LearnDash, the plugin Yeah. Uh, and it took me yeah, it took me forever to make this platform the way I wanted So now I think that, okay, I have this platform, I need to put out uh, more courses there. And the courses are working really well. I have many people who, I mean, many students who bought the first two courses and they want the next one. And uh, yeah, my upper intermediate course, so the second one I made, uh, was released in December 2019, which means that it's been 
a year and a half since I, I published uh, a new course. And um, yeah, some people finished it almost right away. And since then, they've been asking me when the next one's going to be. Yeah. So I know what I have to do, but uh, I think I I kind of burned out a bit uh, after this second course. And uh, yeah, last year also because of the pandemic and everything, I was more focused on trying to. I mean, it's like rich rich people's problem, uh, but. Um, that the the business was growing too fast basically and the audience and everything and uh, i i didn't know how to deal with all those emails that i was getting all the time and having so many students uh, enrolled in the course because i also have a private like i have private groups for the students so it's mostly for them to talk like to get to know each other to uh, talk in french and everything but uh, still it's a lot of work because uh, there are always people who can't find their password or they had, I don't know, an issue with their credit card. And it was just me dealing with all those requests. So, But yet, I didn't want to hire anyone. I wanted to stay a solopreneur. I was really proud of it. That I was doing everything myself. But last summer, I realized that yeah, if I don't hire someone, uh, I'm never going to have holidays again. <laughs> No weekends because I was yeah sacrificing more and more weekends for it, and started uh, yeah and uh, I was starting to enjoy it less. So I realized that okay I have a problem. I need to I can't make a new course. I don't have the energy for it. I need to hire like to start building a team and a company. Yeah. So you have somebody now who's doing your customer support or? Yeah, I hired a, a first teacher in September, Anna. Uh, she's Polish, but she speaks French beautifully. And uh, then uh, I, I hired a second teacher in February this year to help me create more content. So now we are still trying to figure out how to organize everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they've they've been super helpful, and uh, now I can take weekends off, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, cool. Talk a bit about Learn Learn Dash. You said it's the name of the plugin yep. that you're using, right? Yeah. I mean, we work a lot with Teachable. Would you re recommend people to to use a WordPress plugin, or can you t talk us uh, through the pros I, and cons? I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it if they are not comfortable with uh, the internet i mean i'm not a developer or anything but whenever you use wordpress you're gonna have some issues because everything's customizable with plugins but uh, yeah you need to be able to, i mean you need to be ready to fix some problems because there are gonna be a lot more problems than if you use a ready-made platform like teachable but for me, as a language teacher, I felt that the quizzes in Teachable were too limited in terms of options. So back then, you, maybe now it's different, but back then you only had a single choice or multiple choice questions. Yeah. And I wanted to have more stuff like, I don't know, drag the words or fill in the blanks and stuff like this. So that's why I moved to LearnDash because LearnDash is used by many big universities and and also like some some pretty big companies for their um, inside training. So yeah, it's really flexible and you can really do pretty much whatever you want if you're 
willing to spend a bit of money to hire a developer from time to time or to spend a lot of time on YouTube watching tutorials. Oh, really? So there is a steep learning curve. Do yeah, you, yeah, it's yeah. Do you pay? Is is that a subscription or is that a one-time payment? Uh, it's yeah, it's a subscription. It's every year, but it's really. I mean, it's pretty cheap compared to Teachable because I think it's uh, $150 per year. Yeah. Okay. But then, I don't know, for instance, there, I really wanted to have a question format that would be like Duolingo, you know, where you're clicking on the words to like build yeah. a sentence in a specific order. And it, it wasn't possible straight with LearnDash. So I had to hire a developer for this. And it was, I don't know, like $500 or something like this, just for this one question format. Yeah. Know? I guess another um, another risk when you use a WordPress plugin is that you need um, you need a good server, right? Have you never had any problems that the website was down? Because then when your website is down, everything is down, right? The courses are not working anymore. Have you experienced that? Yeah. No, I mean, luckily also I read that uh, hosting is really important. So right yeah. from the start, I invested in the host like the hosting company does that's considered the best it's called the uh, kinsta so they they specialize in wordpress and they are yeah they are premium they are more expensive than other hosting companies but i've never had any server issues so mm -hmm. i i think it's worth it okay what is your 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 schedule what what, what does your schedule look like um like how often do you publish content how do you go about script writing video yeah, the, recordings that's the that's my biggest problem at the moment <laughs> that i i don't really have a schedule so it with the podcast it used to be every week uh and then every two weeks and then every three weeks and now i'm trying to get back to every two weeks but it's not very yeah i'm struggling with the regularity and at first um I was, yeah, I announced publicly that it would be every week. So I felt like I was uh, accountable for it. But then if you just uh, break this routine or this schedule once or twice, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah the, uh, it, it's hard to get back to it. And um, so, yeah, th th that's uh, an issue I have that I always feel like I'm late for publishing uh, the next episode. And whenever I release one, I feel like yeah, I'm already late for the next one. So <laughs> I can't really, yeah, it's hard to, to enjoy the process. But my goal is to get back to an episode every two weeks. And uh, with YouTube, I would like to do a video every week, but with this, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And it's, uh, yeah, the problem is the lack of structure that basically I'm just working on something until it's done and then I'm moving on to the next thing. And like, so it's really, it really depends on my energy level. And some podcast episode took me, I don't know, two weeks to do because wow. the topic was pretty complicated, but also because uh, of my energy level. So yeah, you, you see that it's not good for the business. And now I'm trying, I mean, it was okay when it was just me, but now that I have a team, I know that... Uh, yeah, we need to, to have some uh, processes and like a better schedule. So I would be also able to delegate more and to make their life easier because now it's a bit like 
okay, I finished this. Uh, can you now it's your turn and uh, we are late. So it, it needs to be ready yesterday, you know, and yeah. I, I don't want to be like this. So, yeah. I see. So one of the challenges for, uh, well, the rest of uh, 2021, I guess, then. Um, you said, did you say that you studied marketing at college? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how much do you think that that degree or how much do you think that that studies helped you do the marketing for your own business now? Well, it's hard to say, but I I would say not at all. <laughs> because in my school, basically, I mean, I studied the marketing to be a marketing manager in a big company, you know, yeah. not to be a uh, not to do online marketing. It's completely different. And uh, I mean, because you studied marketing. As yeah, well, right? exactly. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. So you probably learned the porters, matrix, and all yeah. this stuff, and the four P's or five P's. Yeah, I don't exactly. remember how many P's they are. But uh, <laughs> I haven't used that at all in my business. And I've learned much more from just reading blogs from uh, online entrepreneurs and stuff than from anything I, I've learned in, uh, in college. But uh, at least I, because if not for this, I would probably think in my head that, oh, yeah, maybe I should go to college or to do like a marketing degree, you know, to get better at it. But now I know that uh, at least in traditional French business school, it's not really, I mean, it wouldn't give me anything more. Yeah, it's definitely not necessary to study marketing to do to do the things that we do, right? Online marketing, like if I look at Oli, for example, who I'm running this podcast with, like he studied music at university. He, ha he has mm -hmm. a degree in, in, in piano, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but he learned all the stuff just by taking courses, listening to podcasts. And, you know, I often ask myself the question, like, I, I do have a degree in, in, in economics and marketing. Like, has it helped my career? I don't know, man. I th I think it gives you some 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 like some feeling for for marketing, right? But like the, the really the foundations. But almost everything that that I'm doing on a day to day basis uh, are things that I learned from trying lots of stuff, reading, talking to people, podcast. Um, yeah, I don't think. I mean, my mom always taught me to go to to go to college and, and got my degree. And I remember like the day I, I got my diploma, I went home, I gave my mom <laughs> my diploma. I said, here it is. Can I please now do the things that I want to do? And I never had to show my CV to anyone. And I, I don't even have a CV. I, I never had one. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, interesting. I, I mean, learning has changed the way we learn. Yeah, well one of my biggest uh, joys since uh, starting my business was that uh, I was able to delete my LinkedIn account <laughs> because I thought, yeah, I, I, I've always hated networking and LinkedIn, LinkedIn to me was, I don't know, I hated this platform so much. And I, I saw all my friends from business school that, oh, they had these cool jobs, I mean, cool jobs, quotes on quotes, but like in, in big investment banks or whatever, and I was a teacher in Warsaw, Poland. You, know? <laughs> you looked terrible. So I didn't have anything to, yeah, I didn't have anything to brag about on LinkedIn. But at some point, when my business started working, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm never gonna go back work for a company or an advertising agency. So I'm just deleting this account. And 
yeah, it's been nice. <laughs> what, a, what a relief. So what's what's yeah. next for you? What are some of your ambitions? Just keep growing the, the, the audience, uh, more courses, building a team maybe. Um, yeah, what, what's next? Yeah, I... I yeah, I really want to uh, create more courses, definitely. Uh, there's another teacher, because when I was doing my uh, hiring process, I, I received so many amazing applications. I mean, it was it was surprising for me that I would get any applications at all, you know, because why would people want to work for Inner French? But like the quality was also super surprising. And uh, so I hired the first two, but there's a third one whom I really want to hire too. So uh, yeah, I think she's gonna join the team this summer. And uh, yeah, the goal is to create more courses, to be more consistent, to have process, uh, yeah, to have processes. And yeah, just because I need I need more time for me and more space, and I know that the only way to do this is to yeah build the team and and have better processes. And I'm really fine with the money we are making right now. And even if I mean it would be weird if it would stop growing because since I started it's been just growing, growing, and it's exponential. So I, I would think that okay, maybe something's wrong. But it wouldn't be, I mean, yeah, I don't need more money and we're doing well. And as long as I can uh, do something that's helping students uh, and have my team and yeah, that everyone is fulfilled, then I'm good. Yeah. Is, um, is your business still growing exponentially? Yeah. I mean, during COVID, it, it was, I mean, yeah. Um, it's hard to say this because so many businesses were struggling during COVID. But for us, online businesses, it was actually a pretty nice, um, pretty nice time. And but yeah, this year it's it's still growing pretty pretty fast. So yeah, cool. If people want to learn more about you and if they want to see some of your work, where can they go? Uh, they, they can just visit the website innerfrench.com and they'll find out. I mean, yeah, they'll see the, the podcast and the YouTube channel and everything. Okay, we can do that. Hugo, thank you so much. All right, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode, then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using. And if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do, then make sure to go to our website, creatorsmart.com. See you on the next episode. Ciao.